Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. We're going to talk about superpower. We've talked about it. We've said this, that, that you know, if you look through the Bible in the Old Testament and in the New, but in the Old Testament, you'd see the power of God would come on men and women, and they'd rise up to the place where, I'm telling you what, they could write a comic book about them because they had such great exploits that were done. And it wasn't because they were buff or they were strong, but it was because God was strong and he demonstrated his power through them. We turned over into the New Testament, <clears throat> excuse me, and we found uh, the Apostle Paul. I might have to have another drink, but anyway. Wow, it's coming from everywhere. I'll tell you, this is not going to be a dry sermon. <clears throat> Glory to God. So, you know, in the, we turned over into Ephesians and we found the Apostle Paul praying for the church, people like you and me, and what he prayed is that we would be aware and we'd know, our eyes would be open and we'd see the great tremendous power that's living on the inside of us. You know, it's there whether you feel it or not. It's whether, you, sometimes you might feel like a spiritual wimp, but I'm telling you, the whole time, God's power is in you. That's why Paul prayed, he says, man, guys, You've got to see this. You've got to see that there is something in you that is like earth shaking. There's something in you that makes the devil turn and run because you woke up. You know, John Osteen used to say that. He says, every time I wake up, the devil says, oh, no, he's up again. That's how it is. That's how he is. Um, so you've got power in you. We started the last time I spoke talking about how to stay full. Stay full of what is on the inside of us. You know, if there's ever a day that Christians, we need to be awake, it's now. You could have said this 10 years ago, but it's so much more uh, pronounced today. That we need to be awake and we need to be full. We need to be full of life. We need to be full of God's power. Now, Jesus, you know, made this statement in John 10. In verse 10, it's one of my favorite verses. It's like the dividing line of Scripture. Jesus went on. He said this, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says, But I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Now, when he said that, you know, he said this, If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, don't blame God. It's not coming from God. God's not stealing from anybody. He's not killing people. He's not destroying people. Jesus said that. I didn't even say that. I wish I could take credit for it, but Jesus said it. And he said this. He says, but folks, just let, let me let you know this. He said, I came that you'd have life and have it in abundance. Now, the kind of life that Jesus was talking about in, in this verse, you know, it, it, he used the, a Greek word, and what's been translated life here, but the word that he used is this word called zoe, zoe, z-o-e, and, and it was very definitive. It wasn't just talking about, you know, animal life. He wasn't talking about plant life. He wasn't even talking about human life. He was talking about God life. He was talking about something that God has in him, and he was talking about something that he, Jesus, had in himself, and he came to display what it was like for a man to have this Zoe life in him. You see, the world hadn't seen a person with Zoe life in him since the garden. Adam had this kind of stuff. Eve had this kind of stuff before the fall of man. When, after the fall, 
Mankind lost that kind of life. They lost the life. Jesus came, though, that we could have this kind of life again. Have it and enjoy it. I, I, I like a couple other renderings of that particular verse. The Williams Bible, the way it says it, it says that you'd have life and have it overflowing in you. Overflowing in you. Don't you like the way God does things? He doesn't just say, well, you know, just give you a little, uh, there's only an ounce to go. No, he brings it up to the rim. He brings it up to the point where it makes good mothers nervous. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean? When someone's pouring at the table and the mom is there, she's always the one that says, hey, it's getting close to the top. I think somebody could spill this stuff. Anyway, God doesn't even care about that. He just goes, hey, fill that baby up. I won't. And fill that baby up. Let it flow right over because God's plan for you and for me is to not just have barely enough, but he plans for us to thrive in life, to have abundance in life, to have this God kind of stuff, this power, this life, this stuff, this, this substance from heaven living in us to the measure that it's overflowing and that it's not just affecting us, but it's, it's it, I tell you, you get around people, and it's contagious, and they, it rubs off on them. They go, what is this stuff you have? What is?" I remember one time, I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Can you imagine living in Tulsa, Oklahoma? Anybody? Anyway, but uh, Mitchell might. But I remember, you know what they call Tulsa? One of the things they call it, besides Bible Belt and you know, all kinds of good stuff, but they call it a tornado alley. Do they still call it that, Mitchell? Yeah, anyway, they call it a tornado alley because, you know, it seemed like when the weather uh, streams would go through, crazy things would happen in Oklahoma. The other thing they'd say is if you don't like the weather in Oklahoma, stick around a few minutes because it would change drastically. You know, I remember one time I took a nap and it dropped like uh, 20 degrees when I got up. I was like, oh, how'd this happen? But I remember, I remember one time... Uh, it was at night, and I was watching TV or something, and, and the warnings were coming out, and the sirens started blowing outside, and all this stuff happened. And, and I remember these guys that lived downstairs in my apartment. It was kind of an open outside uh, door, and the people downstairs, were they, they, they came outside, and I just stepped outside to look at the sky, and, and they were like freaking out. And these guys were not Christians, okay? They were freaking out, but what, what stood out to them is that, that I had peace, that I had, like, I wasn't rattled because the storm was out there. You know, God will give you peace. God will give you abundance. And, and I'm telling you what, people notice that you got something in you. So in uh, Proverbs 18.14, Proverbs 18.14, the writer of this proverb says, the spirit of man, I'm reading this out of the old King James, he says, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. And, and the word infirmity does not just, you know, it isn't just meaning sickness only. But what it means is, is challenges in life. What it means is, you know, the struggles that you and I can face, you know, sometimes daily. But he says this, that, that the spirit, what you have on the inside of you, if you can learn to connect with it, it'll get you through adversity. It'll get you through the, the storms that rage even in the year 2015. And even in the year 2016, should the Lord tarry. 
You've got, the, you've got stuff in you. You don't have to look for this stuff in some other place. You've got God living in you. And the writer of this proverb says, man, guys, if we could just learn to draw. I'm expounding on what he said, but he says, if we could learn to draw from what's within us, it'll put us over in life. Now, Jesus said something very similar in John chapter 4, in verse 13. He was talking in John 4, uh, previous to verse 13, he was talking to the woman at the well of Samaria. And if you remember this woman, you know, she had an encounter with Jesus, and, and Jesus basically read her mail. You know, he knew things about her that nobody had told him. He couldn't have known. I mean, it was cool. It was, it was some Holy Ghost evangelism going on. And, and so Jesus was talking to her, you know, and one point, you know, he, he, he said, you know, you've, you've had four husbands, and the guy you're living with now, you know, isn't your husband. You know, and, and she was getting rattled. She's like, wow, how can anybody know these things unless God tells them? And all this kind of stuff was going on. But here in verse 13 is what I want to zero in on. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks water of this well is going to thirst again. I love how Jesus does this stuff. He's just living life. He's out there in the marketplace. He's out there now at the well and he brings the whole thing into a spiritual picture. He says, people are going to come to this well, and they're going to drink water and be refreshed, but they're going to go away, and they're going to thirst again. But he says, I'm going to tell you that there is a river of life that's going to come out of a person, and they are going to be able to draw from that well and never thirst again. That's kind of what verse 14 says. He says, whoever drinks of this water that, that, that I give him will never thirst, but the water I give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Again, the word everlasting life there, it's the word zoe. Jesus said, I've come to put something in you guys, man, that it'll meet every need. There's, I've come to put something in you that is going to get you through the very things you're facing today. Ha, wow, wow. I thought he just wanted me to go to church and be a good boy. No, he wants you to thrive. He wants you to rise up and demonstrate the power that's on the inside of you. So we talked about staying full. Okay, I'm getting into my message. And, and, and we said this the last time I spoke. Um, we said this, one key to staying full is feeding on God's word. Staying full of his word. Another key that we touched on of staying full and, and being in touch, like Proverbs said, you know, from within a person, you know, he can overcome adversity. He can be sustained. You know, he can be carried on when tough times come. He says, he, and the thing that we talked about is, is staying in tune with the presence of God. Being aware of his presence. You know, you know he's with you wherever you go. He's with you right now. He's with you when you go home. He's with you in your car. And I'm telling you what, whether you feel him or not, whether you had goosebumps today or not, he's there with you. I love sometimes we come together. This is always my prayer. You know, we all bring a supply, and God's with us all the time. But there's, there's great times when we get together and he just manifests his presence. I always pray that. I always pray that that, you know, that, that would happen in our services, that, that people would just know God. You want to know what else I pray about our church? Yeah. 
It's just random. I've prayed this for years. Some of you have prayed with me before you know this. I always pray this, that, that, that liberty, that this church would just be like a well of salvation. A well of salvation. You know what I mean by that? I mean that anybody that walks in to Liberty Christian Center, that it's easy for them to get saved. It's easy for them to get set free. And I believe that during the week when the UPS man comes in. I believe it when the FedEx man comes in. I believe it, you know, when, when our neighbors stop in and, you know, and, and whoever. People, I love being downtown. I got to tell you, it's a whole new world, you know. I'd get suspicious in the old building. You know, I remember one time, Liz was, Liz was working at the church back then, and she says, she comes back and says, Pastor Paul, there's about 10 cars in the parking lot, you know, and she says, what do you think? What do you think? What's going on? Can you picture Liz? And she's like, what's going on? So, you know, I thought, well, I don't know. I'll go out and ask him. So I walk out and ask him. Here it was, they're all undercover policemen. (laughs) (laughs) And because we were so secluded in the other building, you know, they'd come in our parking lot. And and after that, time and time again, I'd talk to different policemen. Oh, yeah, we come in there to do our reports and we do that. I said, well, you're welcome. You know, have at it. But I mean, nobody, hardly ever anybody would come to the door in that other place. And, and, uh, but here, I mean, man, people stop in all the time. People stopped in, one time some guy stopped in because the, the Kellers had their, had my grandpup here, uh, Smith Wigglesworth, the dog, you know, and, and uh, they, they stopped in because they just lost their dog. And, and they looked in and they saw that we had a little puppy in there and it drew their heart. And they come walking in the door, and he was all—he was emotionally upset. And we were able to pray, and you know, it was like, "What do I believe? I believe that everybody walks through the door; that it's easy for him to get saved, easy for him to get healed and delivered. You've got to have your sight on something, right? That's what I believe. Um, anyway, that was a ramble, but uh, you know, what I'm talking about today is staying full, and a key to staying full is getting together with believers on a regular basis. Okay, did you, hear, did, you, did you guys hear that? It got really quiet. No. Um, getting together with believers on a regular basis will fill your tank. We need each other is what I'm telling you. In the book of Acts, when you look through it, uh, well, here I'll, I'll read you a verse in Acts chapter 5. It says daily. Can you say daily? daily. In the temple, in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. You know what that tells me is they, they had a value in coming together. They got together every day. They, they hung out. They, they drew strength. I, I noticed this, that, that I was at a wedding yesterday. Actually, I officiated a wedding yesterday. It was really fun. It was outside at the, the gun range. and there's Nothing like a shotgun wedding in the middle of July, you know, I tell you. But, um, you know, I don't get out a whole lot. I'm kind of sheltered. And most of the weddings that, that I go to, either I do or, or Pastor Stephen does, and so I'm pretty, actually, I don't know if I've ever even been to one that you've done. I'm going to. I'm coming out. But in any case, so I, I don't always know what goes on when, when other people do weddings, you know. But I, I find this quite often. But yesterday it happened, too, that, that uh, the wedding's over, you know, and you're kind of chilling. Because, you know, when you go to weddings, usually as a pastor, you don't know very many people there at all. You know, the bride and groom and maybe two other people or so. But, but you're kind of, you know, I've, I've learned how to, just be cool, stand there, and yeah, you know, whatever. And so anyway, I had people coming up to me after the wedding yesterday. One young guy cornered me as I was going to my car, and he just was like lit. 
And, and he said, wow, I loved it. I loved it. We talked about Jesus in that wedding ceremony. It was, it was about Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> it, you know, my mind goes, what do other people talk about? I don't even know. You know, and, and, and I said, wow, yeah, that's cool. And this is a young guy, you know, he's, you know, probably in his 20s. And he says, I'm not married yet, but I can tell you this. You know, uh, when I get married, I want my wedding to be all about Jesus, just like that. And I was like, that's great, that's cool. But you know what that is? Here's a guy sitting in a wedding. We don't know each other. But he finds out, I'm a believer, he's a believer, it's just like a magnet come together afterwards. We sat, I bet, you know, Dana wondered where I went because I said, I'm just going to go to the car and put my iPad away. You know, 20 minutes later, I come back to the table. Well, I was talking to a guy, you know, and, and, but it was just like this instant fellowship. And, and we both went away charged, built up, built up, strengthened, shared some testimonies with each other. It was just like what God intends. You draw strength from each other. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm not going to read this right now, but if you're taking notes, it's verse, chapter 12, verses 12 through 31. But the Apostle Paul goes into this great, big definition about the body of Christ. And what he says, in essence, is this, is that God designed the body of Christ to be very much like your own physical body. Jesus is the head, but we make up the parts of the body. And, and he, he goes on to say how that there's, there's different parts in the body, but none of them are to be devalued. Every part in the body is important. Did you hear me? Every part in the body is important. In fact, it's kind of like, you know, uh, he, he says this too in this passage of Scripture. He says some of the parts that are unseen have even greater value than the ones that are seen. He says, you know, would you rather have full, I think the Message Bible says it, would you rather have full-bodied hair or good indigestion? You know, and after I ate those beans, I was really appreciating good indigestion, and, you know, but, but I'd really like it all, you know. But, but I'm telling you what, Every part is important. It's kind of like if you were a puzzle uh, uh, maker, person, you know what, what the puzzle maker is? Is a person that puts together puzzle pieces and makes a picture out of it, okay? Which I am not, okay? Just for the record, I am not a puzzle maker. I don't know if I could sit still long enough to do a big puzzle, but uh, I was thinking about that, you know? If you were a puzzle maker, you know what the most frustrating problem would be? You see, if you'd spent hours and hours putting together a piece, all the pieces of a puzzle, I'm telling you what, you got your edges in. They're, I think they're the easiest because they've got a, they've got a cheat already. They've got one, you know it's on an edge, you know. But then you got all the middle ones and you found these, you know, goofy looking pieces and you put them all in place and you get all the way to the end and you're missing a piece. <sighs> Frustration. You'd have to go on a walk just to cool off, you know? You know what I mean? Don't be a missing piece to the puzzle because the truth is you have a supply. You have a supply. This is how church works. Um, people come into church and everyone 
Everyone, every part of the body has importance and has power, has that supply. And here's what the devil does. Can I just tell you? He yaks in people's ear and he says, you know, you're just not important. You're not Pastor Stephen up there playing the guitar and singing nice. You're not, you're not like the media people who got computer access and power and they can put pictures on the screen. And, you know, I mean, uh, who are you anyway? You just sit there on a chair. You're important. You're important. You know, you're the kind of person that, that when, when Pastor Stephen's doing the altar call thing, do you know how important that is? You know, sometimes as a pastor, you look out and you think, well, I think everybody in here is saved. And you wonder, should I even do it? But I'm telling you what, the one person I might miss in my visual sight is worth every minute that we take praying for someone. People like Stephen, Pastor Stephen. We didn't call him that back then. We called him glazed-eyed hoodie man. Or something, you know. <laughs> I don't know what we call him. We prayed for him is what we did. I mean, people like him come in and you sit in there praying the prayer. And I, I, re- I, remember, I remember him talking to me like he'd been coming to church for about two or three months. And we were in our kitchen. And, and uh, we had been planning a, a missions trip. It was one of them European trips we took. I don't know which one. But uh, over into Switzerland, you know. It, you want a good missions trip? Switzerland's cool. <laughs> What'd you do in Switzerland? How many, about a hundred and some people got born again, and we had healing meetings every night. It was tremendous. Strengthened the churches that were there. But anyway, we're just, we'd been talking about in church about going over to, to Switzerland, and, and Stephen comes up to me. I don't know if you remember this, but we're in the kitchen, and, and uh, sitting at the counter, and, and you said, so you go over in that... Uh, that uh, trip, that missions trip, are you going to pray that prayer with people? You said that to me. I said, what do you mean? Well, you know, you know that prayer we pray at the end of the service? I said, yeah, we're going to pray that prayer with them. And you said, cool. <laughs> now, up till that time, I didn't quite know where you were at. But when I, when I heard, heard him asking that, I thought, wow, something happened when he prayed that prayer. He was kind of a, you know, we watched him change, you know. But anyway, it's important. So you're the guy that's sitting in the chair and they pray and you just you have your faith out there. You're believing. Do you know how important that is? It breaks the power of the devil over people's lives. It changes people forever. Forever. You are important. You have a place in the body. And I got to pull here. Hebrews 10. I'm going to jump right to verse 25. Although the whole book is tremendous, I'm not going to read it right now, but in Hebrews 10, 25, some instruction that comes to us that, that uh, you may have read before, maybe not. This is what he says, though. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhort one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together some, some, the manner of some is, but even more as you see the day of prayer. What day is that? Well, the day of Jesus' return. He says, don't flake out. Don't, you know, now can I, can I pull back a minute? Can I do this Wisconsin style? 
That doesn't mean you get in condemnation because you, you, summertime came. You know the five days during the year that we have summer or something like that? And you decided to go to the cabin. Don't get in condemnation about that. Enjoy life. That isn't what we're talking about here. We're talking about an attitude, though, that we see the importance of coming together as a body. Because you don't want to know why? Because there's strength. There's strength when we come together. You know, we, we, we come together, we believe. You know, sometimes you come to church and maybe you're down and out. You need people to love on you. You need people to just even smile at you. You need people to shake your hand and say, hi, it's good to see you. I'm telling you what, maybe, maybe it's uh, you're believing, you're, you're reaching out to somebody else. I'll tell you, that'll, that'll build you up more than anything. Giving out to somebody else, praying for somebody. It'll crank your tractor. So we know this from reading Hebrews 10.25, this, that the church comes with assembly required. As much as I hate to say it, we're kind of like an Ikea store. And, and if you know me, I have this love-hate relationship with Ikea. And maybe you don't even know what Ikea is, but it's I-K-E-A. And it's this Swedish store that's over, that we have one, that's the closest one is over by the Mall of America. It's that big blue building with yellow letters on it. And, and inside that store, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible. They have furniture. They have every, just about everything you need and, and pretty reasonably priced. The danger of it is, is if you go there with Dana. <laughs> because you go up this escalator, and once you go up there, I call it the point of no return. You get to the top of that, and the only way out is to go through the whole maze of the store. You know, somebody designed it that way. Now, Stephen and I, through the years, have found escape routes. However, like I said, if you're with Dana, forget the escape routes. You go through the whole store. So this is what it's like, though. You go, and like, you know, I remember a, a, a few years ago, we, were, we needed some chairs. And so we went to Ikea, Dana and I, and we found these chairs that we liked. And, you know, you know what you do? I sit on them bounce a little bit, and kind of kick back. I didn't take a nap. I didn't do that. But, but I tried it out. And I said, well, these are, these are good, Dana. I like them. Let's go. There's ice cream at the end of the line here. And, and we're ready to go. And, and we go with our cart. And it says it's on, you know, row 1026 or something like that. And we go there. And here's this nice chair. But now it's in this little tiny box. In this little tiny box, and so what, what happens is you take this little tiny box and you get it, you pay for it, and you put it in your car and you come home, and then the next five hours, you're on the carpet in your living room assembling this thing with instructions that are written in another language and some tool that is not in your tool drawer in any way, shape, or form, and, and you're just praying to God that, that every piece is there that you need because you need to assemble it. And sometimes that isn't always fun, but it's pretty cool when you're done. Because then you go, wow, there it is. That's that chair. I sat and I bounced in it. I was like, yeah, I may take a nap in it right now. So there you have it. But the church comes with assembly required. We need each other is what it gets down to. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it says this in verse 9. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that's alone when he falls. He has not another to help him up. 
Again, if two lie together, they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? Verse 12 says, if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I just became aware of, of uh, a revelation this week of this, this TV show that was on several years back called The Power Rangers. I, I, you know, I have to say, I don't think I've ever in my life saw a Power Ranger, but I looked him up on Wikipedia, and I found a little bit about how they, they operate, and, and the Power Rangers were superheroes, and each one of them had superpower in themselves. But when the forces of evil, you know, came against them, they would come together and they'd join forces and they were changed into something totally new. They called it a megazoid. This is all, this is, how about this? A megazoid, a megazoid. So the megazoids would stand against all the evil of the universe, which the Power Rangers singly could not do, but together they had the power. The church needs to come together and become the megazoid that God's created us to be. And glory to God. Hallelujah. I got five more examples. Can I give you this one? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read this too much. In the book of Acts, you know, if you read through the progression in, in Acts, you know, there's some cool things that happen in chapter. Two, they all get filled with the Holy Ghost, and they get wild, they pray in tongues, and people get saved. And then in chapter 3, there's a great story of, of um, this beggar that's been at the gate beautiful every day. And this, this beggar was lame, you know, from birth, and, and didn't walk. But every day, they brought him in, and they set him at the gate, and he would beg for alms. And so, you know, everybody knows this guy, because if you're the beggar that's always at the same gate every day, everyone knows you. They may not know your name, but they know you. Okay, I know, I know this from experience because in Haiti, there was beggars that would be on certain corners, and I knew who they were, you know. I, I knew some. I, I had mine that I'd picked out that I'd always give to. And, and um, so anyway, this guy is, is there, and, and Peter and John come by, and what are they doing? They're on the way to church. And, and they have this encounter with this, this, this beggar, and the beggar looks on him like he's, he's waiting to receive something. And Peter looks at him and he says this, silver and gold have I none. Can I tell you something? Don't ever get under pressure. You can only give what you have. Anyway, but uh, Peter says, but what I do have, I'll give to you. And he said this, he looked at him in the eye and he says, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And you know what happened? The guy rose up and walked. And you know what happened then? It caused a big stir. Why is that? Because everybody knew this was the guy who begged at the gate that never walked a day in his life, and now he's not only walking, he's leaping, and he's praising God. I'll tell you, that'll cause a stir in the neighborhood. And, and so then the, the authorities, the religious rulers and leaders, they come and they, they say, what's going on here? And they take Peter and John and, and they threaten them and they, they, they use the powers that they have to try to confine them. And they finally get to the point where they release them with a great rebuke. They say, go from here, but don't talk anymore about the name of Jesus, which we all know just stirs the pot and says, go, baby, go, go, let her rip. So what, you know what I found interesting is this. If you read this in Acts 4, in verse 23, it says that when they were let go, you know what the first thing they did? is they went back to their company. 
So that tells me this, that it's very important in that day, in this day, in every day, that you and I have a company that we can go to. That we have this group of believers that are like-minded, that see the word and they see life like we do because there's strength in it. Now, what did they do? They, it says they went to their own company and they told them all that had happened. They shared their, their, their load with the company. And what did they do then? It says they prayed. And it even records their prayer in Acts chapter 4. They began to pray. What I find really cool, though, is in verse 31, it says that while they prayed, it says the very place where they were assembled together was shaken. Now, this wasn't like a, a, a massive earthquake that hit the region. They weren't lying on a San Andreas fault. It wasn't even in California. But they were shaken. The house they were in was shaken. You know, and, 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 and then, you know what happened next? That was chapter 4. The next thing that happens, chapter 5, is this. They're out there, and, and, and it says this. It's recorded. This is what's recorded. It says that people were lining in the streets, and their hope was that maybe Peter's shadow might even fall on them, that they'd get healed. Do you know why? Because there was great power. There's great power. What am I telling you today? Stay loaded. Stay full. There's different ways to do that, but I'm telling you one couple ways is stay full of the word, stay full of his presence, but stay connected with like-minded believers. Stay plugged in because there's strength in it. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.